sure. I won't. I will not speak on the behalf of men, and you you will not speak on the behalf of women How about that. <laughs> Sounds good. Welcome to Homer Collective. I'm Pat Ward, and I'm Taryn Mao. And today we're talking about sex. In our counseling practices, we often hear clients talk about how sex has become a very challenging aspect of their lives and their core relationships. So often issues in a couple's physical intimacy become both symptoms of and causes of other issues. So we're going there. We're talking about sex. Despite how society has shifted around this topic, sex is still something many of us are uncomfortable discussing because of a pretty complicated history, I think, with modesty that we have and the lack of helpful opportunities we have to learn. So if you're listening to this episode, you likely have at least one story of an awkward experience addressing sex. <laughs> um, you know, this topic always brings me back to middle school where just the mention of sex made everyone giggle. <laughs> so you probably have at least one story. We're going there, though, because we think it's important to talk about. The problem is often, too, that because we don't talk about sex, we form our own narrative about what sex should look like. And then chances are that narrative will clash with that of our romantic partner. So we're not going to come into it with the same perspective, the same expectations. And that's why even people who love each other very much can hurt each other deeply when it comes to discussing this topic. Yeah. For this episode, we're talking specifically, more specifically, about what sex looks like in a committed relationship. Uh, we'll be discussing some of the most common issues we hear couples share around sex, and we'll provide some helpful practices to promote successful experiences, but also increased intimacy. And just as a reminder, part of the Homer Collective is that we cut through the banner here. And uh, this is going to be a frank discussion. We're going to move quickly. If you have young ears listening, you probably want to switch to the screen time episode. So uh, here we go. Starting off, we're just going to talk about um, some common complaints that I hear from couples or that we hear from couples um, when we're starting maybe counseling or uh, maybe you're talking to a friend and, you know, they're confiding in you. There's just some common things that couples say about sex, about how hard sex is, about why they're not connecting or their perception of why they're not connecting physically with their partner. So we're just going to jump in, talk about those common complaints. You might find one that you're like, yes, this is us. I feel that way. Um, we just want to normalize this experience for you and help you know you're not alone. So maybe it feels like he or she never wants to have sex. Like your desires aren't on the same page. Um, you've tried and, and been shut down enough times that it just feels like they never want to have sex. Yeah. Maybe it feels like um, he or she doesn't initiate. Like I'm always the initiator. I always have to. And that might be frustrating for you because maybe you don't want to have to be the one to initiate all the time. Yeah. Um, or sometimes, sometimes it's, uh, we, we have this desire or we want this, but we just don't have time because you know, we got kids, we got work, we just got other stuff to do. We just, mm -hmm. we don't have time or another common, ex you know, complaint is that they're just, my partner is just too tired and, and stressed out to even focus on that. Yeah. And this is a good point too, because in different seasons of life where we, there is more stress, we might be having less sex because yeah. we are tired or stress does affect our bodies. Right. And so it's just harder to get excited about sex. Yeah. It can feel like, um, maybe he or she wants to have sex more often than you do. And, and so that can be, I mean, we're gonna, not going to come in with the same expectations. Like we mentioned 
before as far as like frequency goes. And, you know, sex sometimes can be um, physically painful or just not enjoyable. And that's just a really, really difficult and painful realization to have in your relationship as if it's not an enjoyable experience. And there are a lot of reasons why that can be the case. And we'll we'll get into that a little more this episode. Yeah, but but usually at the heart of this, aside from physically pain, physical pain, a lot of it is that in, in different seasons of our lives, our sex drives fluctuate. They get higher, they get lower. And oftentimes when you're in a relationship, especially a marriage with somebody else, uh, over time, uh, it, it is not always common for your sex drives to be on the same page at the same time. So that creates the first layer of problems that a lot of our clients have or a lot that we see uh, in the work that we do. Um, that's the first layer. But then our reactions to it and the way that oftentimes we don't have a roadmap for how to communicate about those issues without hurting the other person or without adding pressure that makes the problem worse. That becomes a second layer of the problem. And so it gets complicated really quickly and then it begins to spread into other areas of, of our relationship and other areas of, of communication as well. Yeah. And oftentimes couples will express just kind of getting into the same pattern with each other around sex where they're kind of cycling through the same interactions over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that cycle can be really frustrating. So we're just going to really break down some expectations what do we think about expectations? What are some questions that we should ask ourselves? So those narratives around sex that we mentioned before, they include these expectations, right? Because I'm trying to make sense out of why is this not working for us? Maybe I have the expectation that this shouldn't be a problem or this shouldn't be so hard. Yeah. If we just love each other, then we shouldn't be having any issues here. That's a big one. Right. And or for a lot of, I think, like uh, evangelical Christian cultures who grew up in purity culture, it's like, well, this is this thing that we were told not to partake in. And then we get married and then we're just supposed to know exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. The reward for yeah, I tell people all the time, the reward for people who've been very careful with their, you know, sexual endeavors up until the time they get married. The reward is not that they have like this crazy banging sex life out of the gate. The reward is that they they usually end up there together with less relational wounds, a a little bit more wholeness there, but there's still work to be done to creating, you know, physical intimacy for the long term. Absolutely. So we have to think about where do I think my expectations to sex for sex actually come from, right? Mm -hmm. Is this the way I was raised? Was it my religious background? Was it what I heard my parents talk about? Were they open about talking about sex? Where do those expectations come from? Or were you exposed to pornography at a young age and that kind of set the framework for it? That's that's becoming, unfortunately, a more and more common struggle for for young people because they thought, ooh, this is what it's like. And they learn it's it's not and it's causing some issues there. Or your only really knowledge of sex is what you heard in the locker room. Yeah. I mean, so it's important. Ask yourself, does my partner have the same expectations or different ones? I think that's kind of a trick question because they probably have different expectations, right? But but do we have the same expectations? What are those expectations? Yep. And are they realistic? And does my partner think they're realistic? So maybe I think my expectations are realistic. I'm like, we're going to have sex every night this week. Every night. And that's how <laughs> our relationship's going to be, right? And yeah. my partner's like, absolutely not. Like, that would not be <laughs> enjoyable for me, right? So we can have, you know, different expectations and and they cannot always be realistic. Well, what are you, and then what are your expectations for your partner? Um, so it's expectations for self, expectations for just if we're having sex in the relationship, how often that kind of thing. But then also what are my expectations for my partner? 
Speaking of, one of the things we talk about a lot on our podcast is this dynamic that's set up in couples sometimes where one person is in the pursuer role and the other person is in the responder role. This happens for conflict. There's usually one person that's like, we got to settle this right now. And there's usually somebody that's like, I don't want to settle this right now. I need to get my thoughts in order. And so they're in the responder role. Uh, this happens in dealing with money and then, and other things. And sex is no different. There's usually somebody, usually the person with the higher sex drive who is more interested in pursuing sex. There's usually somebody else who is usually in the position to respond by saying, yes, I'm, I'm in the mood as well, or no, not right now, not tonight. And uh, the thing that's hard is that oftentimes by default, we expect that the other person is going to change roles and we expect that um, somehow we can make that happen and that's going to make us really happy. Um, Sex drives do fluctuate. Someone can change their desire over time, but it's rare that people actually swap roles. And so while the person who's a pursuer wishes that their partner was also a pursuer as passionately as they are, it's probably not going to happen. So the best game plan is to become the best version of your role. There are things that we're going to talk about today that help you become the best pursuer. Uh, If that's your role, uh, the way that you talk about uh, sex, the way that talk, you talk about um, the emotions around that, um, you can become uh, the best version of that role. And then there are also ways that you'll learn today about how you can become the best version of, of being a responder and being in that role as well. And the trick is we all have expectations that we bring into this arena. Uh, the good news is, is not all expectations are bad. It's, it's okay to have these expectations because expectations are probably, there's probably a fine line between our expectation and our, our desire, our expectation, our, our, our physical needs. And so it's okay to have that. We just got to figure out how to talk about it in a way that draws us closer together instead of pushes us apart. Um, there's also a way to use expectations to our advantage. Um, one, one of the first things that uh, couples usually try, or we encourage couples to try, is to, is to do something that's a little unsexy, which is to plan a certain night or have a certain um, special event or trip away where they can focus on their physical intimacy together. Um, that's, that, that usually is a, is a little bit of a hard sell, but it usually is helpful because then expectations come into play in a really helpful way. Preparing someone, preparing the, the partner with a, a lower sex drive um, uh, mentally and emotionally for that and um, using that as time to, to really connect and kind of bring their full selves uh, into the plans that have been made together mutually. Yeah. And in order to be able to do that, we have to effectively communicate. Yeah. So like any part of your relationship, I mean, your sexual relationship, like we were saying, changes over time. And so that's why communication is so important here. And we have to communicate. Communication is not something we do one time. We don't just communicate about sex one time and then we're done. Right. We have to communicate about sex constantly. And this is probably the number one issue that most couples have around sex is struggling to communicate. Absolutely. So we want to promote connection. That's the point of communication is we're hoping to promote, promote connection between the two of us um, yeah. before sex, during sex and after sex. And I think sometimes we think about sex as just that, like the experience, the event, right? The sexual encounter, right? But sex right. is so much more. It's what's happening in our relationship before, right? What are we doing? Like, how are we responding to each other? Do we feel connected? Um, like you were saying, planning time to connect yeah. with each other in other ways. Yeah. Um, are we communicating while we're having sex? Because that's huge, 
right? Yeah. That's that's a big one. And then after we have sex, what does that time look like together? And how yeah. are we talking about that experience that we just had? Yep. And uh, at, at the end of the day, I mean, you said this, and this is so true at the end of the day, the way we communicate for connection, we also lean into this area of intimacy for more connection. So bef- before sex, like before, as we're, as we're talking about this aspect of our relationship, not necessarily engaging in it, it's, um, do we, you know, I'm, I'm curious if you're listening to this, is that something that you've ever tried? Have you had a hard time doing that? Is that something that, I mean, oftentimes if it's been a difficult issue, both people leave those conversations feeling, you know, misunderstood and disrespected or misunderstood and like they're failing somehow. And so here are a couple of things that may be good to try if you're trying to re-engage in communicating about that. Uh, The first is try to allow the person who's more withdrawn sexually to share first. Let them talk about what's difficult about sex. Let them talk about what maybe they perceive as the reason they feel more withdrawn. Let them talk about, you know, some other kind of aspect of that. Is there something that they would like to to try? Is there another area of intimacy or another area of connection that would help them maybe maybe approach physical intimacy uh, in, in a new way? Maybe there's some other needs that they feel like are not being met um, that they just haven't had a chance to express yet. So maybe they need more help um, with childcare or maybe they need more help with um, other aspects of life that just are, are weighing on them. So, you know, if you can come to this conversation um, ready to do a lot of listening, you might hear some new things that have absolutely nothing to do with sex that will be very important for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's some really practical things to discuss to, I think to prepare as well for sex is, is to like talk about, do I feel more comfortable if we're clean? Like we need to take showers, right? Like yeah. that, that can be important, right? Cause sex can be kind of gross, right? If we're not. <laughs> so like that, that's important. Talk about that. Do we need to cuddle like some time connecting physically in a non-sexual way, right? Where we're connecting and we feel intimate or do we need more time to unwind? Because when we're stressed, we're not in our bodies, yeah. it's somewhere else. And it's really, really hard to engage with your partner sexually. If you're not connected with your body. Yep. Also, you may want to discuss some logistical issues too. Like, is there is there a time of day that you feel like you're more um, energized, more open to being engaged? Are there things that need to be taken into account, like kids' bedtimes and all the other things that go on in busy lives where two people are juggling, you know, family and career and all those things too. Um, again, that's one of the reasons why we encourage people to try to, to plan sex or to try to just plan a time to set aside to really focus on being connected to each other. And it, if it leads to sex, it's wonderful. And most people are excited about that. If it doesn't, then at least we've had this time to connect with each other. And what that does is it begins to take the pressure off because then for, again, for the person who's a little withdrawn, it helps them have time to prepare themselves emotionally and mentally. And for the person whose sex drive may be higher or may, may have made more bids for sex recently if they're told hey not tonight but friday night that's the night that we have set aside it's a little bit easier for them to have one of those bids unreturned uh, if they know that that there's time set aside in the future for that yeah like we were talking about with that cycle there's probably going to be one person in the relationship who initiates who seems like they want it more right and so talking about that connection that time for connection and even naming another time is a great way to communicate absolutely Absolutely. Talk about what you're comfortable with. Right, Pat? Like, I mean, it's important to talk about, um, you know what? I'm comfortable engaging with you here in this way, but I'm not really comfortable doing that. And talk about why that is. Like, 
you might not know why you just might know you're not comfortable with it. And, and it's important to feel like we can express ourselves and our comfortability, especially when sex is such a vulnerable thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if we learn how to communicate well about it, we're talking about sex. We're not talking about our partner and like things yeah. that, that disturb us about our partner. We're actually talking about this thing that we're working on together and we're trying, we're trying to, to use to create more connection for us. So a lot of those things are things that we talked about before, during sex, maybe maybe not necessarily just during it, but but initiation is one part of it. It's like, hey, how are we going to go from being separated to, you know, engaging with each other physically? And um, sometimes the best advice is to, to slow down, carve out time and space to connect physically before just jumping in. Sex often starts way before the bedroom. So think about how to engage your partner throughout the day, maybe some flirty texts or taking something off their plate or a gift or, you know, chocolate, something like that. You know, just something that says, hey, I'm, I'm just really I'm really excited. Not not just about like crossing off this goal or this thing that we felt like we we're deficient in. But like, I'm, I'm really excited about being connected to you um, and, and let that be a part of the initiation process. Sometimes doing the dishes is the sexiest thing. <laughs> this doing the dishes <laughs> maybe you um take time or, or turns giving each other a massage right so helping relax um rubbing each other's shoulders right maybe try yeah. engaging in more sensual activities first so kissing right kissing each other's bodies kind of just experimenting here using our senses to connect like how often do we use our senses I don't, I don't, I'm using my senses without even really thinking about it. So plugging into our bodies, right. Yeah. Talking about the type of touch that feels good when you're massaging each other. Is this pressure, you know, what feels good for you? Do you need lighter pressure? That kind of thing. That's getting the communication started and helping each other connect with our bodies. Absolutely. And, and it's more than just about bodies too. It's also about our minds. So um, try to be aware, make sure that your mind is in it. If, if you're not, if you're distracted or if there's something that's really bothering you, if it's brought some things up from the surface, maybe that you've been through over the last week, some places where you felt disconnected. I mean, it, it, it's not a good time in the middle of it to talk about it, but those are things to, worth discussing and using that physical intimacy to bring connection and intimacy to other areas of your life as well. But also you can discuss you know, what's on your mind and also what you need at the moment. And then when we actually are participating and engaging in sex with each other, the sex doesn't have to look like intercourse. I mean, intercourse is great. I think, you know, if that's what both people want, it, it mm -hmm. can be a great way to physically connect with each other, but do what feels good for you, for each of you. Um, statistically, many women can't actually reach orgasm through intercourse. So I think that's an important thing to talk about and readjust expectations around that. But make sure you're talking about what feels good, because if it doesn't feel good for both of you, right, that's not what sex was meant to be. It's supposed right. to be a connecting experience in which you can express yourselves and, and give to each other. That's right. And if, it, if, if something feels the opposite of good, if either of you experiences pain during intercourse or during sexual experiences, seek help from a medical prof professional um, just to help just to help evaluate if there's a medical or physical reason for that. Um, pain can be experienced from physical con conditions, but also can be experienced through anxiety about sex or after having children. Um, so if you're having pain, tell your partner, be honest about that. And then even, even use the, the, the opportunity to figure that out and to get some help with that to be something that builds some, some intimacy and connection there. Uh, the same is true if, if you have trouble getting around. 
uh, speak to a medical professional. Use that as something to be um, honest about as well. If, there, if there's if you you have questions in yourself um, about why that's that's happening, that may be helpful feedback and information for your partner to know so that they aren't second guessing themselves. And um, uh, there could be many reasons for that medically. Um, and it's good to eliminate those first. Um, but for, for any of those kind of physical symptoms, sometimes there can also be mental or emotional issues that are beneath the surface that keep us from being aroused or keep, may keep you from, from connecting in that way. Um, and so if uh, you check things out physically and, and can't find issues there, then you may want a professional to talk through to work talk to to work through those issues. Um, that's especially true if you have trauma or sexual trauma in your background. Um, it's something that's that's worth processing through and in, in therapy as well. Yeah, with that, it's important to ask for what we need and listen to the needs of your partner. I think unfortunately, one of the the most common things I hear is that someone might be not enjoying sex or maybe even experiencing that pain that we were talking about and not communicate that to their partner. And they're just kind of going through the motions and, yeah. and not fully in it. And, and that's just really devastating to hear because um, they're not engaging. They're not connecting in the most intimate way that they could be connecting. Right. And so sex yeah. becomes that thing that you feel like you have to do pressure to do because your partner wants it. And it's not a connecting experience like it's meant to be. That's right. So we need to listen to the needs of ourselves and our partner. Yep. And then the other thing is do do what you know works, but also find ways to be creative and have fun. And if you get to a point where you feel stuck, then it may be good to, re to reach out and find a, a book or a podcast that may help you together get on the same page of, of thinking about sex in some new ways, breathing some new uh, creative life into that area of intimacy for you. Um, so um, be playful and, and enjoy. Uh, that's another that's another thing that you can pursue together when there's a high level of trust there. Yeah. So, I mean, even after sex is over, um, continuation of that connection is so important. So making sure to take the time to do what you need, hold each other, talk, clean up together, that kind of thing, making sure you're continuing on that connection. Cause that's really what we're trying to emphasize today is sex yep. is about connection. Yep. Sex can oftentimes feel rushed. Sometimes it feels like you have to squeeze it in, get creative about how you continue to talk about sex in your relationship. Sex is complicated because we're complicated and it exists at the crossroads of our personal, relational, physical, mental, emotional, and sometimes spiritual lives. And again, issues around sex that come from sexual trauma or an affair should be discussed with a mental health professional. If you have struggled with a sexual addiction or if you've ever had an addiction to pornography, this may also be something that is worth discussing with a professional as well. Uh, there's couples, therapists, and sex therapists out there who can help. Yeah, if you find that you and your partner are struggling with your sexual relationship, try thinking about where you get stuck. Is it before you ever initiate? Do you have a plan for sex that works? Or do you struggle to communicate with each other um, while you're in the bedroom? Maybe all of that is difficult for you. If that's the case, try discussing your expectations and, and see where that takes you. When you communicate about sex well with your partner, um, you're going to find you feel more deeply connected to each other. So maybe even find a couples counselor who doesn't shy away from talking about sex because that, that's just an important part of your relationship that hopefully you're discussing. 
Thanks for joining us today. We really hope that you learned something new from this discussion about sex, maybe some new skill for communicating about it, or maybe some new things to try. Or, and maybe this is the most important thing, maybe you learn that you're not alone. If you and your partner are struggling in this area, it is very normal, it's very common, and it's something that you can overcome and actually be closer on the other side of it. So that's that's our ultimate hope for you. Um, if you know someone who might benefit from this t- content, take a minute and uh, share it with them. Yeah, to connect with us, you can follow us on Facebook or patwordcounseling.com or taryncooper.com. Thanks for joining in.